frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. It's not about what I want anymore, Mitzi. It's about making the best of what I have. Hello and welcome to Film Church Radio, the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday, I'm Lewis. And I'm Brandon. And we are here to talk about movies. Each week, Brandon and I alternate picking a film for us both to watch and discuss. This week, I had the pleasure of picking the film, and I chose Pearl, uh, from this year, 2022, starring Mia Goth and directed by Ty West. Uh, Brandon and I had both watched X, the predecessor to Pearl, which also came out this year. Um, and had varying reactions to it, I think it's fair to say. Um, but every time I talk about it, Brandon, I make it sound like you absolutely hated X. <laughs> um, but I'm just I'm just building it up for the tension. And that's yes. that's the only reason yeah. you you didn't hate it. But <laughs> we you know, we weren't as hot on it as uh, as I was. Um, yeah. um but I wanted to see with the with the follow up um Pearl, you know, coming so quickly, if we both had the same reaction, how we both felt about it going into it. I thought it'd be an interesting film for us both to watch and discuss. Um, yeah. We'll get into Pearl in full detail in just a few minutes. Um, if you haven't seen Pearl, um, now is a good time to pause the show, go and rent it, go and buy it, um, watch the film, and then come back and hear us talk about everything that happens in it. Um, and as always, if you want to hear what we'll be watching and discussing next week, um, stay tuned to the end of the show. Brandon is going to pick a film for us to watch um, and I'm excited to find out what it's going to be. Um, but before we jump into any kind of film discussion, uh, we'd like to say thank you to everyone who has been listening to the podcast and sending their love for the show. Um, if you're new to the show and enjoying it, be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to be notified when a new episode is available. This is a film church, so we post episodes on Sundays. And if you really, really enjoy the show, please share it with your friends. Um, you can find us on social media platforms at Film Church Radio, where you can leave us a comment or send a message about the show. Um, we also post extra content on YouTube and our other social media um, platforms. Um, YouTube as well. We also, the first episode of each month, we have a special guest on that we like to um, record um, the video for. And we put that up on our YouTube as well. So you can go and watch us talk about the movie. You can watch us in real, real time, real life. Um, real lifetime. Real lifetime. We'd also love for you to rate and review the show on whatever podcast service you're streaming from. It just really helps other people find it, um, come into the film church, join what we're doing here, and, and you know get to talk about movies all the time, which is what everyone wants to do. But before we jump into Pearl, which is going to be um, quite an interesting discussion, I'm sure, it's time for the trailers. So these, uh, the other movies that Brennan and I have been watching this week, other than the main feature, um, and we'd just like to do a little snippet of some of the films that we don't really have time to go into an hour discussion on, but we still want to talk about them. So Brandon, my friend, what have you been watching this week? I've been watching quite a few things, mostly rewatches and new releases, um, nice. spending time with family and, you know, watching things with people. So, um, one of the things, uh, we watched was Elf, 
which is already it's almost 20 years old like which is Insane. kind of mind blowing to believe but um I'm probably going to talk more about Elf on our Christmas special, so I won't get too much into it. But it's it's always a fun rewatch. Such a great classic. Yeah. Um. I watched Nobody from 2021. <laughs> I'm like literally. I remembered what this movie was, and now I just blanked. I'm like, wait, what is this movie that I watched? <laughs> that I rated four out of five. Uh, <laughs> I literally can't remember right now. Hold on, I have to look it up. This is <laughs> had a had a great impact. Obviously, I mean, I gave it four out of five. Um, I know I'm gonna laugh. Oh yeah, <laughs> the movie with Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like I I think a lot of people would recognize the poster. Sorry, Bob, I know you're listening to this. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't remember. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> I think a lot of people probably recognize the poster from last year uh, with Bob Odenkirk's face on the front and just a bunch of fist fists punching him in the face. Um, and I had heard good things about it, and I finally gave it a watch because I, I do really like Bob Odenkirk a lot. And uh, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, he's not super believable as an action hero but i think his his charm and performance like comes through anyway if that makes sense it does and it's it's based on like a an actual event kind of that happened to him where uh he his family had a home invasion and they got robbed while they were there and so he kind of took that like trauma from that and like wrote his own or develop. I don't. I guess he. I mean, I'm sure he had something to do with the writing. He's a great writer, but he he developed this uh, this action movie, and um, yeah, it 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 was a lot of fun. Like I said, I gave it four out of five. It's definitely um, if you're looking for like a a fun action thriller to put on, this is a you know, and something that's more new. This is a good one. Um, Went and saw Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, um, in theaters, and it was good. It was fine. I think I'm getting burnt out on the MCU. You yeah, know, it's happening again. It's it, it comes and goes and yeah. waves. I was getting burnt out. Um, I think after the first Avengers, it was already setting in, and there was films that I didn't go see, like Ant Man and stuff, yeah. and then think when civil war came out i was like oh my god this is incredible and i mm -hmm. loved the new spider-man so um you know and then everything was kind of good up until endgame and then it's been kind of hit or miss and now it's just like serious burnout yeah so i don't know that uh it's like once like some of the better movies came out, it, it made me want to go back and rewatch the other movies. I don't know if even, you know, if they come out with better ones after this that I'm going to want to go back and watch some of these. But, yeah, you know, I think the nice thing is everybody can kind of like have their their favorites or whatever. It's kind of getting as, uh, as crazy as just the comic books, like how many different comic books there yeah. are. It's like nobody yeah. can 
I mean, the super fans can read, you know, all the comics, but not yeah. everybody is going to read all the Black Panthers and all the Spider Mans and all the Captain Americas and yeah. you know, whatever. Would... So, you know, you can have your your trilogy or you know your hmm. your cake and eat it too or whatever. You can have your favorites. Yeah, I would love. I mean, I know that recently there's been you know Quentin Tarantino has been talking about how we're probably in like a te- one of the worst eras for cinema yeah um, right now because of marvel and everything like that um and robbie downey jr just um replied to it and said hey there's room for everything um which mm, i don't necessarily agree with but i want i just want us to get to a point where they're not trying to be the biggest film in the world you know they're not trying to break box office records and other films are happy to release things in the cinema the same week and still do well you know we it's yeah. it's it becomes profitable because i don't want anything any film to not make money it's still profitable but it's not like eclipsing everything else that's in the cinema yeah you know because i mean yeah that's the problem i think is yeah. that it, you know it's not necessarily the marvel movies that mm. are are making it the worst era yeah i mean it is starting to get a little old i think but i think it's just Nobody else dares the, goes up against it. Well, yeah, that and just the whole the struggle of the the theatrical yeah. industry as a whole right now is you know it it it's been rocky. It was already on the rocks, but then COVID yeah. hit and it was really like, oh man, are we about to lose this thing forever? And yeah. it's and it's I mean it's really changing. Like it's really we're we're getting into weird territory now where it's like movie theaters are i mean vr is coming at some point i know it's like kind of been slow but um you know the movie theater experience isn't always going to be the same i hope there are classic cinemas that stick around you know there's been a lot of these that have stuck around and ones um especially that have shown uh they keep their 35 millimeter projectors and show uh, 35 millimeter. I was watching a documentary um, earlier about the Mahoning drive-in theater. Uh, the documentary is on Amazon prime and it's really good, but it's, it, it's one of those theaters that really struggled when theaters were switching to digital and they decided to keep yeah. their 35 millimeter projector and just keep showing old prints and stuff, which is great. I really hope that that side survives and i think it will just because um i mean like classic theater is still around broadway is still around you know shakespeare is still around i think that it will um be more of a niche thing but kind of still you know there'll there'll be people who keep it alive in certain areas It, it won't be as accessible across the nation as it always has been but you know yeah you'll be able to find it if you look yeah. Anyway. I'm but... a big believer that everything happens for a reason. And I really think that, you know, with the cinemas and after COVID and everything like that, that it needed Spider-Man Far From Home to come in and yeah. bring people back into the cinema. Mm-hmm. And I'll forever be thankful for Marvel that, you know, they didn't postpone it and they just still went with it and, you know, and and got a heck of a lot more people back into the cinema. Um, yeah. Which I'll always be thankful for, but I'm hoping that, you know, there'll be a bit of a, a balance coming up. Because like you said, I mean, they just, I just don't know how they can 
keep the enthusiasm up because yeah well i mean yeah exactly well for marvel yeah but there but there is also you know a a need i think right now for diversity mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. films and, I, and i'm not even talking about like you know the politically correct term of diversity i mean i yeah. just mean like a diversity as More far options. as like genres and yeah things yeah. to watch you know yeah because um, it is either stuff yeah horror films at the moment or marvel yeah. And I know that we've just come out of Halloween, so it's very kind of part of that. But yeah, there the needs to be, yeah, more for people to go and see. Yeah. Well, and the, I mean, we, we have already talked about this on the show, but the Julia Roberts and George Clooney movie, mm -hmm. um, what's it called? Ticket to Paradise. <laughs> yeah. Ticket to Paradise is, is uh, a good sign, you know? Yeah. That's a great sign. Especially for, for the movie studios right now, because they're like, oh, people want, yeah. This kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's good. Yeah, um, it is. But yeah, uh, the only, so I've watched, I've rewatched a bunch of stuff. Uh, Thelma and Louise, Onward, Hateful Eight, Reservoir Dogs, still going through, tw back through Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Um, all of these are, are great movies. Um, but the, the other thing that I went and saw in the theater, which we, t we talked about, for a second last week was the Fablemans. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll, if you're uh, still wanting to go see the Fablemans while it's in cinemas, go see it. But if you're, if you don't want to get spoiled, then skip ahead a little bit. Cause we might talk. Yeah. It's, we won't spoil it too much. We'll, no, try know, and keep we'll it spoiler free. I mean, yeah, for the most part, know, there might be some bits that you're not sure of if you've only seen the trailer, but you know, yeah. In terms of themes and stuff, but, yeah. Um, and if you don't know what The Fablemans is, it is Steven Spielberg's new film that is based on his life. Uh, yeah. So it's basically the Spielbergs instead of The Fablemans. Um, yeah. And I watched it the same day that I watched American Movie, our movie for last week. And it was just the perfect double feature. Yeah. You know, it was like, especially because he's like working on six like eight millimeter film and he's like you know edit it he's got his little editor and then he gets a 16 millimeter camera and you get to see all that kind of stuff and yeah um just the passion and drive that this kid has for wanting to be a filmmaker against all odds you know and against like his his family not you know his family kind of you know wanting like seeing that it makes him happy, but not taking it like super seriously as a career necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're just, if I, as a filmmaker, I, I loved it, you know, yeah. there was so, you know, and just as on a personal family level too. Um, and so I, you know, I think, I don't think you necessarily have to be a film fanatic or a filmmaker to love this film. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what what other what other people think about it. I haven't read any reviews or anything mm. like that. I know it's not doing super great box office wise, but yeah, um, um, I know you went and saw it too. I did, yeah, and um, I think the the greatest um, compliment or the greatest thing that I, I can take from a film is when you can tell it's deeply personal to the filmmaker. You yeah. know, Vertigo is my favorite film of all time. I'm going to keep banging that gong. Um, and it's, it's, it's my favorite because I love Hitchcock so much and it's, it's just layered with his personality and like his demons, 
you know, it's a it's a personal film that's kind of not outwardly personal. And this, I feel, is like, it, it's obviously based on Spielberg's life. And I know that I've seen a few interviews where he said he's been trying to make this story since E.T., but he keeps getting distracted by the dinosaurs and the and the aliens. Yeah. Um, and just from the first minute, I was like, I love this. I can just tell I'm going to love this film. Yeah. You know, and it's just full of touches that, that only someone that only someone that's lived that moment would pick up on. You know, there's like little, um, like vignettes and like little details that are just so personal. You can tell that um, that it just makes it it just elevates it to the next level. Yeah. Um, and plus, it's it's great seeing a filmmaker tell you how he got started and kind of how the you know how I don't know how his passions burned i guess it, it's um yeah it's a it's a film that i think the more i watch it the higher it's going to go on my uh, mm-hmm. ranking of spielberg if not yeah maybe his best it, yeah and it's that good it is it really is and i know that sounds like you know oh you've only seen it once you haven't let it sit with you you've seen jurassic park a million times and it's like yeah but there's something about it yeah there's just you know something that just is intoxicating in that film, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, I rated it two out of five, um, and I think no, I didn't. <laughs> was, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it was a no-brainer, five out of five, straight out of the cinema for me. Yeah, same, dude. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, what else have you been watching? Yeah, there's been a um, a few things. So we rewatched Hell or High Water um, from 2016. Um, a film that my wife and I both really enjoy and kind of come back to periodically. Um, yeah. Just a really great, tight, you know, heist thriller. Um, mm-hmm. Jeff Bridges is just brilliant in it. Um, makes me appreciate him a lot, you know, when I see him in these kind of roles. Um, and the the writer of it, we've just started watching um, Yellowstone on TV. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and it's his one, like his kind of breakthrough. I guess he'd done he'd written Sicario, um, and he's also you know since then he, since um, Hello High Water he's, he's written a few more. Um, he wrote and, Wind River, which is a really good film. He did, yeah. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to kind of you know it's an hour and a half. It's it's just a perfect you know midweek evening film. Um, so we went back and watched that. And then, yeah, I've been watching. So I watched The Postman Always Rings Twice from 1946. Um, had to get one last noir in before, you know, it was November was well and truly over. Um, <laughs> and this is a film that the first time I watched it, I didn't like it very much. Uh-huh. Um, but over the years, I've come back to it like more and more. You know, it's always been something that I've wanted to revisit. And it's like close to a five out of five now. Um, yeah. And it's uh, a you know typical noir fare. A guy shows up at like a rest stop, falls in love with the guy's wife, and then they plot to kill him. Um, but what's interesting is it also goes past spoiler alert the murder, and it goes into kind of like the court system as well, which normally I don't feel like we see. So the like it's kind of bookended, you know. Yeah. So the last hour is kind of like the court scene and like what happens after. Um, which I always find really interesting. I don't think it worked the first time, but now I go back and I'm like, this is what I want to see. I want to see what happens after you know the normal credits would have rolled. Yeah, um, and it's a it's a good watch. I, I enjoy it a lot. 
what else did we watch? And then Chelsea chose for us to watch Serendipity, um, mm. which is a rom-com yeah. from 2001 with John Cusack um, and Kate Beckinsale. And I do like John Cusack a lot. I think he's a he's a good actor. Um, enjoyed him around this time. You know, High Fidelity I love as well. Um, and we sat down and watched it and, you know, went all the way through. And I was like, yeah, that was good. Um, only to find out that I watched it just three years earlier and I had no recollection of it whatsoever. <laughs> like not one bit of it rang a bell. Oh, wow. Um, which never happens. Yeah. So I can't wait for in three years when we're talking about what we've been watching. I'm like, hey, I watched Serendipity. I thought it was the first time ever, but it wasn't. I've watched it twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, bizarre. I mean, it never happens, but it's, you know, it's a two thousand early 2000s rom-com. It's... Uh, it's fine. And then I yeah. kind of watched <laughs> the anti-serendipity. Um, so okay. Sight and Sound recently um, announced their top films of the, you know, every decade they do a top 100 films list where they ask critics and filmmakers to list their, you know, top 10 films, which we'll talk about in a little bit because I managed to pull Ty West's as well. So we can talk about his. Um, and I've been kind of working, just having a look at some of my blanks and I'm going to start like, you know, ticking them off. Um, as I go and the first one that I ticked off is In the Mood for Love from 2000 directed by Wong Kar Wai I think I'm probably saying that terribly but wherein serendipity is all about like if it's meant to happen it's going to happen In the Mood for Love is all about you need to take these chances at the at the certain time you know you can't wait around yeah exactly and it's it's just it's a very beautifully shot film where the two characters that just seem to be the only people in the world. Yeah. You know, everybody else is kind of secondary and it's filled of like moments. It's not kind of full scripted scenes. It's just like moments where they're passing the stairway and stuff like that. And it's just, at first it was like, I don't know really what's happening, but then as soon as you kind of like melt into it, it's absolutely mesmerizing. Um, It's really good. So Sweet. Definitely going to be watching that again at some point. Yeah, I was surprised by the list. I, um, there's a ton yeah. of stuff on it I, w- I need to watch. And I just pulled up Ty West's list. Cool, yeah. Which is a lot of classics. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you know we'll get onto it in a little bit, but I've heard a lot of criticism that it's boring and there's nothing in there. Um, a lot of people on Twitter are like, yeah, this is just vanilla. And it's like, shut up. <laughs> the sight and sound list? Um, well, Ty West's. Oh, Ty West's list. Yeah. They're like, it's just vanilla Hollywood. And then someone was like, yeah, but if you watched all of these films in a week, you'd have the best week ever. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, you would. Um, so we yeah. will break that down in just a minute. Um, but I think this is a good time, Brandon, to move on to our feature presentation. Pearl from 2022. The um, summary is the extraordinary origin story. Uh, Trapped on her family's isolated farm, Pearl must tend to her ailing father under the bitter and overbearing watch of her devout mother. Lusting for a glamorous life like she's seen in the movies, Pearl's ambitions, temptations and repressions all collide in the stunning Technicolor-inspired origin story of X's iconic villain. Um, the first thing I want to say is, can a villain be iconic after less than a year? <laughs> um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, there there's something that can happen sometimes that is just like a zeitgeist yeah. of a villain. Vi- yeah. villain. <laughs> a villain. Uh example um the Joker in the Dark Knight. True. You know, I mean as soon as that came out, it was I mean Heath Ledger like had you know, he had already passed away before the film came out and that, you know, you can't really, you don't know, like there's no way to know whether or not that had anything to do with uh, the success of that film. I don't think so personally. Like I think yeah. it would have just blown up either way because nobody had ever seen a Joker like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was an instant Yeah, even classic. from the trailers, you knew it was going to be something special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I, I think Mia Goth in this film is iconic. Yes. Will potentially be, icon- I mean, iconic to me, you know, yeah. it depends on, you know, I mean, this film is, it's getting some underground buzz, I think, but it's not like, you know, ev- it's not on everybody's mouth. Yeah, that's a weird way to say it, but you know what I mean. I know like, what you mean on everybody's lips, like yeah, you know, uh, acting like I know what phrases are. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it could it could become more and more of a, a cult classic, and then and and then something that people reference when they talk about iconic, yeah, uh, villains. Um, yeah, but it's definitely not there yet, you know. No, no, definitely not. And I, I think that in X, Pearl is fine as a villain, um, but I think this is where she becomes she steps forward into that iconic zeitgeist. I think that yeah. you know, there's a, there's loads of shots in here that are just like we're going to be seeing this for a long time, like the best mm-hmm. movie villains or whatever, you know, the best yeah. slasher killers or whatever yeah um i think there's a lot <clears throat> that we see throughout this and i um and i know that you know i, I keep talking about it but i do want to kind of kick this off first so this is a follow-up to x um which came out the same year um which we you know i i, I liked a lot you were kind of like eh, yeah like on the fence with it mm-hmm. um after watching pearl would you did you enjoy this experience more I did enjoy this experience more, yes. Um, I do wish that I had watched Pearl with some people. I watched X with some people. Um, I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it after it had had already left. And I guess Pearl was in theaters too. Yeah, it did really well. Mm -hmm. Oh, it did do really well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, that would have been the way to experience it because I feel like I needed needed, uh, an audience to go on this ride with me. Yeah. You know, rather than go on it myself. Um, I think it would have been much more uh, enjoyable and easier to understand. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to, 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 to kind of dissect it because it, it, with horror films, they, they go into such a disturbing area you know, and bring up mm-hmm. all these disturbing, like, 
feelings yeah. that we have as humans. And uh, it's easy to kind of reject those and, and I don't know, just get uncomfortable and like want to turn the movie off or whatever. Yeah. So I think it, it helps to watch <laughs> it with an audience because cause then it turns into something else. It dips into that disturbing area, but then you like come out the other side of it in some kind of weird, cathartic, yeah, f- sometimes funny. You know, it's hard. It's it can go in different directions. So, um, you know, I think I was mostly just disturbed <laughs> mm-hmm. the whole time mm-hmm. watching this movie, and and wasn't able to like break through and figure out um, uh, a way to enjoy that dis- disturbing feeling. Yeah. I guess if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um. But I did like it more than I I did X, and I probably will go back and watch X again. Yeah. I, I'm gonna go back and watch both of these again, and and there's a, another like sequel coming out. Uh, I, I think maybe next year, depending yeah. on when they get a film called Maxine. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know X for me. Like I gave it three out of five. I, it might go up the next time I watch it. There's a lot of stuff that I did like about it. Um, you know, all the performances were great. Uh, and, and, and the, the plot and everything was great too. Like the only thing that really took me out of it was just, uh, I think as a writer, I'm like, I kind of break things down as I go and sometimes get too ahead of the story. And then, um, if if what I think is gonna happen happens, yeah, <laughs> you know sometimes I'm like ah, oh. I mean and sometimes not. I mean it it just depends on the movie. But as far as X goes, um, you know the old the the older couple is very disturbing, which is it's supposed to be, hmm. but in a way that's like I don't know. I think right off the bat, you know the the when the people are in the car and they're looking at the old man. They're like, Oh, that guy's ugly. And like, you know, yeah, he's supposed to be like disturbing and ugly, but just, I don't know. It just gave me this weird feeling of like, why is like, why are we treating old people like this? I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mm-hmm. get, you know, it, I, and I'm just like picking it apart. I think maybe there's like a personal thing going on yeah. with me that where I'm like, I don't like that type of thing, I guess. But yeah. but then like they like really lean into it, and then it gets to this moment in the film where, well, before it happens, I'm like, are they literally gonna make the like crescendo, like the most horrific thing that happens in the movie is this old couple having sex, <laughs> and that's what happens. And then I was like, ah, oh, come on, yeah. Um, that's literally the only reason I I took it down two stars. Other than that, like the film looks amazing. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, the performances are great. I love the whole um, '80s look, the 16 millimeter look, um, all of that stuff. I just like eat it up. And it's even more amazing to go and watch Pearl after this and see the complete aesthetic change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. from from X because X is such a like 
like a grungy 80s movie and then this is like bright and vibrant and the farm yeah. looks beautiful and it's amazing what they were able to do to to completely to just like they shot both of these movies back to back yeah and then and then to com- to take the same location and just completely make another movie and make it look so look and feel so different i think is is incredible it, yeah. it just goes to show like what talent these filmmakers had you know mm-hmm. behind behind the camera yeah. to um cuz i feel like like filmmakers can can sometimes get really good at making one thing but to be able to to make two things so different and yeah. feel so different i think is great yeah and i think i mean i think Taiwa said that they finished filming x on a like friday afternoon and then monday morning they were like prepping for pearl yeah so it was a very instantaneous like changeover but yeah you're right the, the fact that they they do feel very different mm-hmm. even though the settings are the same um is, is incredible i loved the aesthetic of this film you know i yeah. loved that early cinema technicolor you know very bright very vibrant um you know all the blood is like like strawberry syrup (laughs) splashing across the screen it's that kind of it's that kind of look and um i heard that they were trying to do it in black and white originally and a24 wouldn't go for it they didn't think it was uh sellable so they they went kind of the other way and went full you know vibrant technicolor instead which yeah which I think works. I think either one, it would work well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think they would have, you know, if they had done, I, I think the it's clear that the filmmakers behind this film, Ty West and every, and his whole team, uh, it's clear that whatever aesthetic they had gone with, they would have excelled at it, I think, you know, um, and, and they took what they, you know, the cards they were given and they, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah. Um, yeah there there was i guess the the color reminded me of uh the wizard of oz when um alice yeah arrives in oz but also uh there's like a shot of mia it's is it mia or maya i'd say mia but that's just a mia (laughs) (laughs) it's a mia (laughs) um (laughs) I think, uh, yeah. So there's a shot where she's <laughs> riding down the the mm-hmm. road on her bike, yeah. And you see the scarecrow in the background, and it's literally like it literally just brings to mind the Wicked Witch, yeah. In the beginning of uh, the films, you know, she like rides the bike around, yeah. Which let's was- be let's be serious. I think that any kind of young cinephile that watched Wizard of Oz, that was their first, you know, this is terrifying moment. Um, yeah. Because it yeah. was definitely mine. It's something that stuck with me a long time, especially when the tornado and she's on the bike outside in the tornado. <laughs> it's it's very, it's very disturbing. nightmares. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and I think that I, you know, I definitely felt that as well. I saw that, you know, her riding her bike and the way that she was so like up upright about it as well and it kind of did hop back to that um and apparently he he got her to watch wizard of oz before they started filming mm, yeah so it is definitely kind of ingrained there um the scarecrow gets a bit of a different 
<laughs> role in this film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then he does in Wizard of Oz. Yeah. One of the mo- romantic interests. He is. Yeah. <laughs> for for a for a prolonged scene. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that point, I mean, there were there's I expected this film to be disturbing. I mean, for one thing, you know, X is X is disturbing. Yeah. And um but also Martin Scorsese uh was quoted saying that he found the he found Pearl excuse me deeply disturbing and he had trouble falling asleep afterwards. Mm. So I you know, I don't know if that's high praise or not. I mean, it seems like it would be for a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I expected things to be deeply disturbing. But uh, yeah, that scene with the scarecrow. Yeah. <laughs> was something else. It was very disturbing. Yeah. Um, and clever. Yeah, and I think that you know it. It. it I mean, there's so much already. There was so much in here that I was like, please don't go down that route. You know, there's the, we start off in one of the early scenes, she's kind of, is she bathing in front of her dad? Yeah. And then, you know, she goes to see the projectionist, I'm just like, oh my God. You know, there's already, there's just going to be something that's going to be absolutely vile. Um, And I was really happy in a way that it was the Scarecrow. Because I feel like there was a lot that was kind of like there that could have been taken advantage of. Yeah, and they moved it across, you know. And then there was also that um, I, I laughed out loud when she was like, "I'm married." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, which kind of cut the tension a little bit, and just you know, I don't know. I, I not to say that I enjoyed it, but it it wasn't as off putting as it could have been. You know, yeah. I think it could have been a yeah. lot worse. Well, I kept expecting the scarecrow to like, yeah, come alive. His face is very realistic. Yeah, because like it kept it kept cutting, you know, to her and then to his face and then to her face, and so when it kept cutting back to his face, I kept looking to be like, okay, did anything change? Did they actually yeah. put a a body in this now? And like yeah. someone's gonna be like alive inside of it, um, but it yeah it didn't didn't go there, which it's kind of brilliant in a way because I think it just goes to show how much your imagination, yeah can can scare you more than yeah what's going on yeah yeah, all they had to do was have the scarecrow there yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and and i think another point especially when it comes to like when you get to this scene uh you start to realize that this whole film is is like a character study in a way you know Mm. it's like uh which which i love films like that and um and the film is also written by Ty West and uh, Mia Goth, who plays Pearl. Yeah. Which I think is the best way to do something like this. It's like you get the actor involved. Um, yeah. Because it can go in all kinds of interesting ways that way, I guess. Yeah. I, I can't help but think that it potentially started from, because I know that like a technique fact is, is to write the backstory, right, for the mm-hmm. character. Um, that maybe this was something that she um, she wrote for Pearl's backstory, and then they liked it so much they kind of developed it um, yeah. a little bit because it, it was very much like all these things culminating at once. You know, yeah. it was kind of trying to cram everything in that could make her the way that she is into an hour and forty minutes. Yeah, um, but 
Well, they well, wrote it before they even filmed X, right? And then they were, you know, just out of, out of a hope that they would, that A24 would go for it, possibly. Yeah, because, I mean, it all stems really from COVID, right? Because they, they went to, I think it's New Zealand to film X, um, and they had to quarantine for, was it two weeks? Like, before they could even, you know, once they landed, Start. they had to quarantine mm-hmm. in a hotel, yeah. Um, and when they got there, I think that Ty West especially was like, while we're here and we've got the crew, we might as well just, you know, film and yeah. like film Pearl, you know, while everyone's yeah. here. Um, and I think that it kind of started during that two week quarantine before X, mm-hmm. where they were like, you know, knocking ideas around and kind of putting pen to paper a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they just stuck around with mostly the same crew and, um, yeah, film Pearl straight after. That's and like the Roger like, Corman yeah. method. Yeah, I mean, if it's there, and I think Tyler has been very vocal about the fact that he's like, this is a once in a lifetime. We knew that, you know, cir- like circumstances had had come together so that we would be in this place, and we we're like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So they just stayed on and did it, and um, which is great. I mean, when you think about yeah. it, it's like it's you know, each film is like what an hour and forty five minutes. I mean, that's yeah. like that's like you could have made this into one movie possibly you know yeah. or like i mean it's like that's that's one you know scorsese movie <laughs> or mm-hmm. one tarantino movie or yeah. whatever you know like a three hour three and a half hour movie or whatever yeah um but uh yeah yeah it was it i, I you know it's if, if that's what they needed to do to get to to this film you know that's a yeah that's a a great way to do it because I don't know. I don't know it's interesting to think about like how how this film would do, uh, you know, just as a standalone without having any context of the other film. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um yeah because X did really well, didn't it? And then this kind of was announced as it was doing well that it was coming soon. Yeah, um, and I think where it benefits from is there's a lot of a lot of the things kind of carry over. The thing I loved about X the most was the fact that there were so many nods to kind of like horror movies of the past. There were so many like little things here that, you know, were just reminiscent of, of you know, Friday the 13th and, and Halloween and all this kind of stuff. And that with Pearl, it kind of carries on that tradition. You know, there's Wizard of Oz that we've talked about. There's, um, yeah. there's the themes of like Carrie, there's Psycho, there's, you know, all these Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the, the family meal. There's all these things that are kind of going on um, that help like inform the story, but it's never, um, I don't think it's kind of purposefully done. I don't think, you know, you can just tell it's the director that just loves this genre. There's just so yeah. influenced that he's just kind of putting his influences back onto the screen. Yeah. Um, and I love it. I mean, I love that kind of stuff. I love being able to see, you know, nods to things that I love as well in films. Yeah. And some of them, they could be just in my imagination, but um but I think that, you know, even if they are, I still got that out of it. So, yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, I didn't catch a, a lot of the stuff. I think I'd, I, I need to watch like a YouTube breakdown video of this, maybe. Mm. <laughs> but there were definitely a lot of disturbing things and a lot of other, like, just, like, just like seeing the movie theater and stuff was a lot of fun. The projection booth. Yeah. You know, yeah. getting a little bit of history of cinema in there. Um, the uh it's it, it was an interesting an interesting time setting to put the story in 
1918 during uh, the influenza epidemic and people were having to wear masks and stuff. Mm. Um, I might have read, I'm probably reading a little too much into this. I don't know if this was subliminal or, or not, but like just the fact that the mother was German. Oh, and she yeah. was like, you have to wear your mask. And I think was... that's one of the things that I wish had been um, delved into a little bit more. Yeah. You know, cause um, she talks a little bit about, you know, I can't really, you know, the reason this farm's running is cause you're the face of it. Cause nobody would really trust a German, especially at the moment with the first world war kind of raging yeah. um, in Europe. But yeah, that was um, a very interesting theme that I don't think was explored enough for you know for that character it was just like we're german (laughs) yeah that was the kind of explanation for it where it's like okay well let's talk about how you know the 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 town that you're in have villainized others and Mm -hmm. like you know we can touch on that kind those kind of themes yeah um but you know it's too it's not interested in that it's just you know, a bit more of the a quickie explanation of why Pearl is the way that she is. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, yeah, is the is the mother's name Ruth? Is that mm-hmm. the, the character yeah. played by Tandy Wright? Yeah, I was surprised to read in the trivia that she wasn't actually German. I know. Yeah, the accent is very, very convincing. Um, but no, she's not. Did, did I think she worked on X? As, um, as a, yeah, she was the intimacy coordinator <laughs> on X, <laughs> which yeah, I think would be even. <laughs> I mean, imagine being like if she if she actually was German in this character, and you're on know. X yeah. and you're having to like act in these like sex scenes, and then you have this like hardcore German woman, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep you in line. Um, <laughs> but no, she learned German for the role in a hurry and became so inv- convincing in her accent that she fooled two German members of the crew. Wow. So that just goes to show how yeah. good she was. Yeah. Um, yeah, really great. I mean, that house is a house of horrors. I would not like to be in <laughs> Pearl's position there, you know. Um, I do like her kind of monologue where um pearl's like oh you know i want to get away from here and her mother's like do you think this is like what i wanted yeah you know um i think that's done really well but like i said that's the that's the relationship i wanted more of yeah more of that i think that if she had chucked her dad into the alligator infested water earlier we maybe would have had that more room (laughs) for that but we started to make room for dad so yeah (laughs) yeah Oh man, all the the dad stuff was so disturbing. Yeah, and it's Just never like really the... explained. Well, not explained, but like touched on again. It's just like they have a very touchy feely relationship. Yeah. Um, well, there's even a scene before, yeah. like, like there's I think at least two times she like takes a bath in front of him, and like the yeah. second time she like puts her hand on his neck. Like tries to choke him for a second, and then it like cuts, and she doesn't kill him. Yeah, I mean, are we supposed to think that she was like um, sexually abused as a child? Do you think is that where it was? 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you. yeah, it's hard to say exactly what it was that made that makes her um, evil. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, I, I don't know. It. Yeah, it's. I think it's it might bizarre. be better that way. You know yeah. that you don't know. Hmm. Because yeah, no, I think so too. I don't. I don't know. It. It almost to me seemed like it was just like a mental illness. Yeah. Um. But she's, you know, she's got this obsession with wanting to be a star. Yeah. And I think that the monologue that, you know, the, the now f kind of famous monologue um, that she has where she talks about, um, it's like seven minutes or something like that of um, of her kind of dis describing how much she hates her life. Yeah. Um, and there's even more in there, you know, about losing a child and, she didn't want to be a mother uh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. There's just so much in there that has just like built up to this point of of snapping. And I think that the film does a really good job of kind of bringing us to that, bringing us to the head without weighing us down with like a lot of other stuff. You know, there's a lot of stuff in there that um, that's already been developed to the point where it's causing her to about to break down. But the tipping point is the the dance show and not getting it. Yeah, you know, which um, I love the dance number. Thought that was great. Yeah, um, the dance number was cool. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, we we get we get to that point and um, and it is just like the final nail, you know. Um, yeah, and I love the scene after where she's kind of like howling, crying outside, and it's so real. You know, she sits up and she's like covered. You know, snot is coming out of her nose, and you can you can see the indent on her head where her fist yeah. has been. You know, it's very real, which I like. They don't shy away from like the the gore of that part you know yeah and i almost wish that like more movies would try harder to be yeah. real about scenes like that because i mean it's not i mean that's what it looks like you know yeah. when you're in despair like that yeah because even um, the crying is like at first you're like oh like what is she doing yeah um and then when you realize it's kind of it, it's fitting yeah you know, so. Yeah. It's interesting you say that's the tipping point, though, because she's already killed like three people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> By the time she gets to that point. <laughs> but, but I mean, the first, I mean, she's already like killing animals and stuff. Yeah. I and think then, she can, I think that she thinks that she could probably leave those behind her. You know, she's at yeah. that point where it's like nobody's really going to miss these people. You know, they didn't really see anyone anyway. So she could kind of leave and not really be fingered for it, I guess. But then, um, spoiler, the, the killing of Mitzi um, is like, okay, people are going to know that she's gone. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think that at this point she can still leave it all behind. She's like, she's just, she's done, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that. Obviously, the monologue that you were talking about earlier is amazing. And then the, um, I mean, like, just, just to talk about the monologue just a little more, like, that, yeah. that, that's the kind of thing you can really, I feel like you can really only get to when you have a really good actor director relationship on top of, yeah. uh, collaborating on writing it. You yeah, know, and really being able to trust the 
each other, I guess, yeah. in that situation. Well, I think that there's a couple of scenes that elevate it past just a, a generic horror film, you know, just a generic slasher. I mean, the first is the dance sequence. I think that uh-huh. when the backdrop goes up and the, you know, and it kind of elevates into something else, that's really interesting because um, we get to go into kind of Pearl's mind a little bit. And then there's the the monologue like you're talking about and then the last shot. You know, all of these things are, are things that I don't think you would attempt with with someone you're not a hundred percent comfortable with you know if it was an actress that you didn't really trust and it wasn't really about them it was more about you know the the slasher element you wouldn't even try but um but i think mia goth is just is so good in this film Mm -hmm. that is that you know thank you ty west for giving her an opportunity to to show her acting chops you know to really have a go at it kind of thing yeah because i think this is this is gonna launch her into a a very interesting career, I think. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think she, you know, hundred percent steals the show if that was ever in doubt. Um, but you know, every time she's on screen, your eyes are drawn to her. She's just so magnetic. She plays it so well. You know, she can go from like despair to menacing in just a second. You know, um, when she flips at the projectionist where she's like, you've gone cold on me. You know, that is terrifying. Um, yeah, when she follows Mitzi outside, and when Mitzi's leaving, and she goes for the pitchfork, you're like, "Oh God!" You yeah, run, and that Mitzi. whole <laughs> shot too. That yeah. whole shot was was just you know perfect bit of like, um, it was like I mean, and to come right after the monologue too, it was like, okay, let's show what Mia Goth can do and then right after that let's show what Ty West can do yeah with this shot <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I think that's a good way to look at it definitely and I think that's probably going to go through my head every time I watch it now because it, <laughs> it is that like okay you've had your moment here's mine as a director yeah. you know yeah <laughs> um yeah and then and then the the last <laughs> the last shot when is it Howard her husband comes home yeah yeah and then she's standing there does she say welcome home or something I think I oh I've missed you or something like yeah. that yeah and then, and then they then, just hold on her yeah and the credits go yeah oh man never seen anything like it I know and it just works it's not like what the hell was that you know it just works yeah. really well yeah. Um, and you just leave the credits on because you're like, how long can she keep I know, doing it? I know. And the <laughs> tears are rolling down her face and she's like, yeah. her teeth are gritting and yeah, it's great. Yeah. Amazing. <clears throat> yeah. I think that the last half saves it. I, I was a bit worried when it started that it wasn't, it would just be a bit generic. Yeah. Um, but then as soon as we get to like the dance recital and the, and the murders, it kind of takes it up another yeah. level, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. And I could just watch Mia Goff in this role all day. Yeah. It's um it's a shame that things like this aren't considered for Academy Awards. I would love to see, you know, some kind of even if it's just talk, because I think that it's a really good performance and unlike anything that you'd see in anything else. But yeah. Um, yeah, but like you said, I think that it will start a different a different level of her career. Yeah. Which is good. I want to see more of it. Wouldn't it be crazy if she did get nominated, though? 
yeah, it would be, um, it would be insane. I mean, A twenty four is not immune to Academy Awards. No, no. But I mean, they're, I mean, they just keep killing it. Yeah, I know. Keep putting the money in the right place. You know? Yeah. So. It's crazy. Like, yeah. I mean, they had. You think everything, everywhere, all at once? It's got to. I, I would. Yeah. I would. I would. I really hope it does because it's yeah. um, one of the, if not the best film of the year. Um, incredibly inventive and weird, and you know, yeah. different and um, great performances. I, I think it should, but I think it might have come out too early. I don't think the Academy will remember it. Hmm. Unfortunately, just looking through the trivia to see if we talked about all this stuff. Yeah, I think that as a film, it's 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 a little bit more surface level than maybe other horror films of this genre, you know. But I don't think it it needs to be anything else. You know, it doesn't need to be this big. Trying to make a statement film, you know, and um, they obviously had me off that they were trying to showcase and they had this story that they could shoot and um yeah I, I think it i mean personally i preferred it over x yeah um i think this is the one that i'd go back to before going back to x but yeah i mean it's not um the thing that i like about it as far as being a horror movie is it's not like the spectacle side of it is not the is not like gore although it does have gore in it and it's yeah. not violence, although it does have violence in it. But those are usually the things that horror movies nowadays try to try Lean to on. use yeah. as spectacle to get people to watch it. It's like, look at all the effed up ways we can kill people and, and you know, whatever. But the, the spectacle in this film and the, the disturbing horror element in this film is Mia Goth. Yeah. Like she 100%. is the spectacle. Like she's the her performance is the horror element, which is great. Although after she does kill Mitzi, I forgot about this. There are like there is like this interesting uh sequence where you see her like chopping the body up and then setting the table and you have like this these mirrored images. They take the of the blood flying and the limbs yeah. being cut. Yeah, and then they have it. They have different shots showing, you know. So you do get that. That is the moment you do kind of lean more heavily on, um, you know, giving the horror fans that love shots of <laughs> bodies getting cut yeah. up. You know, yeah. you get you. They still get you know, get their. Uh, I don't know their cake and eat it too i guess i've already said that once <laughs> i'm so good with these phrases just desserts i'm just thinking of cake but <laughs> yeah just desserts <laughs> um anyway yeah it's it's uh it's good it's good good i'm glad you liked it yeah i was <laughs> uh I, I had a feeling that it it would be that it um, that it was better than eggs, but I was I wonder I wonder what Brandon feels. I wonder if this yeah. is just too much of um backstory, you know. <laughs> trying to explain why old people are gross. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm excited yeah. to see what they do with Maxine. I mean, that's Me going to be... Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that it's... It's that it's just all about Mia Goth again. I, I think that's probably where they're gonna go. Yeah. I think they know that she is the she is the one. Yeah. So do you want to go ahead and guess what we each rated it on Letterboxd? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. I should have looked at what you rated X, so I could yeah. cheat a little bit. But I rated it a four. I'm gonna tell oh. you that. All right. <laughs> well, if you thought this was better, I'm gonna say you rated it a four and a half. Okay. I think that you thought it was better than you gave it X3. I'm going to say you gave it a 4. All right. Um, I also rated it 4. Okay. I think it is better than X, but X is not fresh in my mind. Yeah. And I don't know whether this, like, thinking about it, I was like, yeah, Pill's better, but I can't really remember the things that I really liked about X. I think I should do a double bill and then re-rate them against each yeah. other, maybe, um, because I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a four and a half five star film. I still think there's some elements in there that are a bit lazy, maybe like you know, to get from point A to B, but it is a very enjoyable film and a film I want to go back and watch again. Yeah, nice. What did you rate it? I also rated it four. Awesome. You got it right. Yeah. Bam. Bam. Yeah. Bammy wham. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm glad you liked it more. I'm glad I picked this one and not X months ago when that first came out. Yeah. Um, perfect. What are we going to be watching next week, Brandon? All right. So this film, I was having such a hard time trying to figure out if I should even pick it because I could not find it anywhere. Okay. But it is actually on... I'm going to whisper this. Okay. It's on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the film is called Liquid Sky from 1982. Okay. Um, I don't really know anything about it other than it looks really interesting. Sci-fi thriller. Mm. Um, we have a, a new listener, Elizabeth who uh, recommended three films after listening to uh, a couple of our episodes, recommended three films to me. And this was the only one that you hadn't seen out of the three. (laughs) So that's what we're watching. Awesome. Um, Yeah, just by a few clips I'm seeing from the the trailer, it looks looks really interesting. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that's going to be good. I like it when it's a film I've never heard of before. So yeah, excited it's to be a little experimental in art house. Yeah, like, and then after that we are going to. I mean, that would be our, our, our last regular episode of twenty twenty two, Brandon. Isn't that right? That's so crazy. Because after that, I mean, the Sunday after that is Christmas Day, um, and, and we thought that you know. We'd probably mix it up a little bit. So the Christmas Day episode we are going to do just to highlight some of our favorite Christmas films because how many times, you know, it it is a great opportunity that Sunday falls on Christmas so that we can actually talk about some of our favorite holiday films. Yeah. Um, And then the the week after is New Year's Day. Um, So we're going to follow on with a tradition that we started at the beginning of the year 
um, where we're going to go back and talk about some of our favorite first-time watches from the last year um, and kind of break it down some films that we think everyone should be watching. Um, yes. So they're going to be our you know end-of-year episodes, and then we've got some really great things planned for the new year. Um, so now is a really good time to to be telling your friends to come and join the congregation because it's um, it's an exciting time to be part of the film church. It is very exciting. I <laughs> <laughs> can't um, wait to tell people what we're doing next year. I know. Me too. It's going to be good. Um, I think that brings us to the end of this show, though. We'll leave that as a little um, trailer for what's to come. Um, you can find this show on Twitter and Instagram at Film Church Radio. Um, and you can follow us individually on Letterboxd. Brandon is at Salmon Scope, and I'm at Walker Lewis 3007 uh, to keep up with what we've been watching in real time. Um, we also have all of our back episodes streaming on all good podcast platforms. Uh, please do leave us a rating and review, like we said, so you know, so we know if you like the show, um, what films you would want for us to watch in the future, um, and if you think that Pearl is a good movie or not. We'd love to hear from you all. Um, I think that's it, Brennan. So all that's left to say is... It has to be me. I don't think you meant to say that out loud, Lewis. Well, if it's not me, then I hope it's you, right? It has to be me. <laughs> say your film church prayers, everyone. Amen. Amen. Bye. Bye.